0: It's November 16th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, President Xi of China and Joe Biden met yesterday and they agreed to start working together on a whole bunch of issues. And as they do, I've got an idea for the White House. Start stealing China's stuff. Yes, I will explain that idea shortly. Second, an update for you on the war in the Middle East. I've got the latest on what the Israelis say that they found in that Gaza hospital that they raided, plus how America's spies are turning their attention now towards Hamas. Third, Americans are on the move, or so say the folks at the U.S. Census Bureau. So we'll talk about where they say people are moving from, where they are moving to, and why it's not Minneapolis. Sorry, Minneapolis. But first, let's get to our top stories of the morning. Joe Biden and China's President Xi met in San Francisco yesterday with promises to start working together on a whole range of issues, from military communications to the economy to how best to stop climate change. And I think that that gives us a great chance to start stealing China's stuff. I'll explain that idea in my analysis and opinion in just a bit. But first, let's talk about the news. Mr. Biden and Xi met yesterday for talks in California, where both sides spoke about the importance of dialogue and engagement. And they focused on three key areas of cooperation. First, our militaries. Mr. Biden emphasized that the critical need is there for China to start talking to the U.S. military, all to avoid accidents or escalations. And that could be wise. But as listeners will recall, China shut off those communications months ago following the destruction of their spy balloon that had floated all the way across America and that was later shot down over the Atlantic. Well, that aside, there are no details yet this morning about what this new set of communications between our militaries might look like. But the whole thing might be off to a bad start. And that is because Mr. Biden said at a press conference late yesterday that he still considers President Xi to be a dictator. Uh, Well, there's that. I'll keep you posted. Second, Mr. Xi and Mr. Biden also spoke about our two economies. The White House emphasized that America will not decouple or separate from China. Instead, our economies must grow closer although biden did criticize china on this topic saying that beijing tends to steal our most promising intellectual property when we grow closer economically quote if we want to invest in china right now we have to turn over all of our trade secrets end quote and yes biden is correct here he is of course referring to china's theft of around 600 billion dollars each year in america's intellectual property But nevertheless, Mr. Biden and his team are still encouraging greater economic ties, not fewer. Well, in fact, they are pointing towards this next piece of news as evidence of that commitment. The White House is authorizing an increase in flights between our two countries. The number of flights was at 48 per week. Now it's going to be closer to 70. By the way, speaking of closer economic ties, some of America's top corporate executives are paying $2,000 ahead to have dinner with President Xi, which I briefed you about earlier this week. But here's something that you might not know. If these CEOs put up $40,000, they can sit at the same table with that communist dictator that is Xi. And that is leading at least one Republican on Capitol Hill, uh, Representative Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin, to slam these major U.S. executives for doing it, for having dinner with this man. He says that these U.S. executives have no conscience, all because they're having dinner with a man who puts his own people into concentration camps or he's targeting businessmen for jail or arbitrary confinement back in China. And for the record, Mr. Gallagher of Wisconsin, he is right on both counts. To the latter, the Wall Street Journal recently reported that President Xi is disappearing or vanishing Chinese businessmen because apparently they have angered the party. He is also jailing other businessmen for all around the world because of what the CCP or the Chinese Communist Party says are national security concerns. And that takes us to the third and final topic that was discussed yesterday, climate change. Mr. Xi and Mr. Biden agreed to bolster their cooperation on climate change and to expand renewable energy projects in their nations. Those apparently will be ramped up over the next seven years. They also agreed to expand something called a carbon capture. So here's how that works. In short, very fancy machines suck up carbon dioxide out of the air and inject it into the ground. So for what it's worth, the White House has already committed to over $1 billion taxpayer dollars to this idea, although critics say it's pretty controversial and largely ineffective, at least for now. But nevertheless, Mr. Xi and Mr. Biden both agreed that they need to do more around this carbon capture idea, plus more solar and wind power, and ultimately less oil and gas. However, as critics pointed out yesterday, there is just one small problem with that, China continues to invest heavily in coal, natural gas, and oil. In fact, they have purchased record amounts of that stuff over the past year or two, especially from Russia. And that probably helps explain this. China produces about 70% of its electricity from those traditional sources, with the remainder mostly from hydropower and nuclear power. Now, to be fair, Beijing is installing a tremendous number of solar and wind projects, In fact, they're on track to install around 1,000 gigawatts of solar power capacity. That's enough electricity, by the way, for tens of millions of homes. But that's actually not the whole story. The Chinese are installing this capacity, but it's not actually producing electricity. And that is because, ladies and gentlemen, the sun doesn't always shine, nor does the wind always blow. And that is ultimately why 70% of China's electricity comes from those other traditional sources and likely will for a long time to come. One last thing, supporters of China have noted that they have the most aggressive research and development efforts in the world when it comes to these new forms of energy. In other words, R&D efforts for things like advanced solar panels or new types of batteries. And that is true. Beijing is investing a record amount of money into those various innovations. For instance, Beijing and its companies fund about 50% of the world's research into battery technologies. The U.S., on the other hand, our government and our companies, we fund around 10% of global battery research. Meanwhile, when it comes to solar panels, China has actually spent an enormous amount of time and money on a technology and a mineral that's called perovskite. And this stuff is really interesting. It captures far more energy than standard silicon-based solar panels. Plus, this uh, perovskite, well, it should last many more decades than the traditional solar panels. In other words, China's research and development efforts will likely put it ahead of the rest of the world for decades to come with these various new technologies. And whatever your thoughts might be on this otherwise dirty green stuff, it's definitely worth paying attention to. So those are the latest facts and data, my friends, following Mr. Biden's meetings with Mr. Xi, with those three big promises to first, improve our military communications, second, to increase our economic cooperation, and third, to address climate change. So let me now pivot from those facts and data to my analysis and opinion, and let's talk about what spies are really good at, shall we? And that is stealing stuff. And we're going to have this conversation as though you are the president and I am your CIA director. And I am about to offer you my counsel that says that your intelligence community needs to start stealing China's innovations. So here's why. So for months now, I have briefed you on how China has hacked, stolen, recruited American citizens, all to build their economy from what was a backwater in the 1980s to now a global powerhouse. And to be very clear about that, Virtually none of that progress was because they created it, they took it, or they stole it from either us or the Europeans. But the point is that China has taken our intellectual property and built their new economy, and that's bad. But what is worse than that is they are now making tremendous progress because of not just us, but actually innovations of their own. And those innovations, by the way, range from the very interesting technologies that we just discussed about solar panels or batteries, but also very deadly military technologies like hypersonic missiles that, frankly, we have very little to no ability to stop. In fact, for folks interested, i have like a report about this of hypersonic missiles in the transcripts. And if you read it, you will be nervous. So as president, I think that we should start to consider this. Let's steal what they've got. In other words, if we can't beat them, join them. And here's how. The CIA, and most especially the NSA, or the National Security Administration, they have very good, dedicated teams that are excellent at stealing stuff, especially from computers and electronic devices. Also, our friends in the U.S. military, they have very good teams that can kidnap people and take them to special places. So, if we were to use those tools against the Chinese government we could, over time, catch up and then surpass them, just like they did to us. So in the world of espionage, this is called a covert action program, and it would have to be directed by a president to be very strictly comportmented. If you're wondering, by the way, why we have not done this as a country in the past, well, without getting into details, some presidents in history have been interested in this general idea that I'm talking about this morning, but there has been a great reluctance to follow through on it, in part because of this next thorny question. If you steal foreign trade secrets, who do you get that information to? So let's just take an example. Let's say you learn uh, some whiz-bang information about advanced batteries, right? Which American battery companies do you get that information to? One of them? Two? All of them? Because how you answer that and why raises all sorts of questions, especially about possible favoritism, which politically could then lead to corruption. So imagine the campaign contributions that could flow after, say, a president gives the, well, his favorite battery company, those Chinese secrets. Even still, I think that a smart president could get around that. So, for instance, we could give the Chinese information to America's 17 national laboratories that are housed at the Department of Energy, or we could pass it to government groups like DARPA at the Pentagon. And then, in time after the government exploited it, that information could be released as open source research for the benefit of the world. And here's the fun part when we release that stuff to the world, we could watch as heads explode in China as the communists realize that we stole their stuff. which a smart president like you who understands power would say to those angry chinese leaders oh dear i am so sorry to hear that you are upset perhaps we can talk about the trillions of dollars that you stole from us and maybe we can then talk about resetting our relationship such that these terrible things stop happening to both of us in other words folks you've got to have somebody in the white house with a spine who is not afraid to throw a punch through including covert action or otherwise. Because as I have long told you all, China respects nothing short of brutish strength. And that remains true, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what Mr. Xi and Mr. Biden decided during their chats yesterday. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, an equal thanks Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC. Member SIPC. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a mix of international and domestic news. We start in the Middle East with three updates on yesterday's breaking news about Israel's raid on the Al-Shifa hospital complex. First, we know that the Israelis targeted one specific part of that hospital near the MRI machines in that specific building. But for what precise reason they went there isn't clear. Although what is clear, at least according to the Israeli Defense Force and reporters who were embedded with them, Hamas was using that area with the MRI machines to store and stage weapons and other war material. And as I mentioned yesterday, that information matches U.S. intelligence assessments that Hamas does and has used that Al-Shifa complex as a command and control center for their terror operations. And to that end, we've got new reporting that the U.S. intelligence community got their now high confidence assessments about Al-Shifa, not from the Israelis, but on our own. And here's how. So after the October 7th terror attacks in Israel, the U.S. intelligence community dramatically started to increase their collection of something called signals intelligence. That's the stuff of emails, phone calls, and faxes and the like, right? But satellites and telltaps, they are now collecting that information focused specifically on the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. And that is very important because now with our own intelligence, we can compare that to other streams of intelligence, like from Israel or Egypt or Jordan. And that will ultimately give us higher confidence in what we believe is really going on over there. And that is why we can now say this morning with high confidence that, yes, Hamas continues to use that Al-Sheba hospital complex for its terror operations. And that takes us to our second update of the morning out of the Middle East, The war in Israel will likely continue for many, many more months and will almost certainly expand more aggressively from the northern part of Gaza into the south. Indeed, as Israel's defense minister said late Tuesday, quote, the operation will last for many months and will include both the north and the south. We will dismantle Hamas wherever it is, and Hamas is in fact getting eroded, end quote. The challenge here, of course, is that Israel has already told the Palestinians to flee to the south as they focus their military operations on the north. So expanding things into the south will undoubtedly cause more humanitarian concerns and frankly, international outrage as civilians will clearly start to suffer even more than many already have. And that takes us to our third update of the morning. The Biden White House has ordered more military support for Israel, an increase actually in ammunition and missiles. So here's what that includes. First, 2,000 laser guided missiles for its Apache gunships. Second, 26,000 rounds for the Apache's guns. Third, some 50,000 155 artillery shells. And finally, 3,000 bunker busting munitions called the M141s. I should also note that the U.S. military is giving Israel thousands of night vision goggles, hundreds of new army vehicles, and much other war material. Well, as you would imagine, this comes as terrible news, of course, for Hamas, but it is also bad news for a series of global nonprofits and other nations, especially in the Middle East, who earlier this week demanded that the Pentagon stop all weapons transfers to Israel. Instead, they are demanding a ceasefire with a dramatic increase in humanitarian goods to the Gaza Strip. Although, to that end, there are more goods getting in, and that includes at that Al sheba hospital complex. In fact, when the Israelis launched that operation into the complex, they brought along with them a whole bunch of stuff, including food, medicine, fuel, and, boy, this is important, specialized transport systems for all the babies in the NICU. The Israelis apparently told the doctors at the hospital that they could use these systems to take the babies either to Israel or to an Arab nation, they could get further care but apparently the offer was declined one final thing to note and this is possibly a good thing ladies and gentlemen multiple media outlets and the israeli prime minister benjamin netanyahu have acknowledged that there is a plan for a a peace swap of sorts and here's how it would work israel would release some palestinian prisoners and in exchange they would get upwards of 50 hostages The israelis would also have to agree to a three-day pause to the fighting. No word yet on exactly how far these negotiations have gone or the likelihood that they will result in success, but I'm definitely keeping an eye on it. With that, no analysis or additional opinion to give you on this this morning. Just a continued recommendation. We should keep a close watch on what the Israelis found at this hospital, because we need other corroborating evidence, our own streams of intel, to tell us that, yes, the Al-Shifa complex was what we all believe it to be, and that is a front for Hamas terror. More to come. With that, let's pivot to some lighter news on the domestic front. And let's talk about where America is moving this morning, both physically and politically. First up is news from the U.S. Census Bureau, where about two weeks ago, they released data on where Americans are moving from and moving to. So here it is. The states with the biggest moves where people were leaving include California and New York. About 1 million people left the Golden State last year. Another half million left the Empire State. For what it's worth, most Californians are going to Texas, Arizona, Florida, and Washington State. Meanwhile, most New Yorkers, they are going to Florida, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Now, interestingly, there was another group of people, about 50,000, who were leaving Florida for Georgia. Now, census officials suggest it was because they were escaping the increasing cost of living in Florida, caused in no small part because of all those Californians and the New Yorkers who were moving into Florida and pushing up prices. And to that end, I've got some great data on which U.S. cities are the least and most expensive in case you're thinking about moving yourself. So we got a report last week from the media outlet Axios that looked at 269 American cities and compared the cost of living in each. And here are the winners. The top three cheapest cities in this country are first, McAllen, Texas, second, Augusta, Georgia, and third, Amarillo by Morning, Texas. For what it's worth, if you're just looking for cheap groceries uh you need to move to pierre south dakota second and third place by the way there are two cities in louisiana that i struggle to pronounce i'm just going to say it the first one is is it huma let's say it's huma the second is Thibodaux. i don't know <laughs> no one knows actually it's french creole yeah i, I think you kind of need a, a rosetta stone to figure it out but anyway the point is if you're looking for cheap groceries go there. It's near New Orleans, apparently, these two great cities. You can save some money on groceries. Meanwhile, there is one place that you definitely should not move to, ladies and gentlemen. And with all due respect, it's Minneapolis. And here's why. So a quick background. Three years ago, the George Floyd riots in that city destroyed hundreds of buildings. Many businesses caused over 500 million dollars in damages. And you might recall that there was a subsequent report to the riots that found that the current mayor of that place, a fellow named Jacob Fry, a Democrat, he and his fellow city officials profoundly failed in their duties to protect the people and the facilities of that town. Well, here we are three years later, and the city is still struggling to both rebuild and rehabilitate itself and its image. So that is the background. But we've got more news about this. And frankly, why you might not want to move there. So two weeks ago, the Minneapolis city council and that mayor Fry agreed to spend $14 million to build a new police station that will replace the one that they couldn't protect. Yes, the BLM and Democrat rioters burnt that down. Well, that's the good news that there is a new police station, but here's the bad. On Tuesday, the city council rejected a plan to hire cops to fill that building up, right? And that's a problem because Minneapolis only has about 500 police officers right now, and that is down 40% since those BLM riots uh, three years ago. So for what it's worth, the reaction to the city council turning this down, well, the police chief was disappointed. He and others were asking local citizens to now get involved, but they might want to hurry because Minneapolis is in the middle of a horrific crime wave with murders, shootings, carjackings, all up dramatically since the BLM riots three years ago. So as we wish Minneapolis good luck this morning, and we do, let's talk about what happens when things go the other way, when local citizens get involved and fix their cities. So for that good news story, ladies and gentlemen, we head to Loudoun County, Virginia. Voters there have now tossed out a very controversial district attorney, and instead they put in a new one. But the margin was close. Only 300 votes out of 136,000 cast. So the losing district attorney was a Democrat who was backed by a radical activist named George Soros. He and his groups gave this candidate over $1 million in funding to put this gal back into office, but she lost. She lost to a Republican fellow named Bob Anderson. And he won despite being outspent by a margin of 16 to one. So as ever, my friends, the message is clear. There is a lot of power locally when we get involved and you can make life a lot better for yourselves. In fact, to that point, Mr. Bob Anderson says that he is now going to start locking up a lot more people. Well, as you would expect, that is causing alarm amongst Democrats in Loudoun County. The former DA who got tossed out, she said yesterday to her dispirited supporters, quote, the work of building a fair and equitable justice system is ongoing, and I encourage every person to stay engaged, end quote. Well, Yes, that is precisely what just happened. And the voters of Loudoun County, they were engaged. And they just gave that lady a pink slip. And that's good news, isn't it? With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. And again today, we have a lot of great news, so we're going to hold off on a listener question, Instead, we're going to tackle that one tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. they are the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.